During a recent wide-ranging interview, Pope Francis spoke on the need for the church to follow Jesus' example and be welcoming to all. He's like the John the Baptist to Jesus, right? He's the one who's saying, like, uh, I'm going to bring your awareness to how we have the we at the church have not done right by these communities. Well, I was just going to say, this begs a question of like, how much power does the Pope actually have? So if he doesn't have the power, he's just blowing white smoke up everybody. Welcome to episode 253 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brew pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. On today's episode, the Reverend Shannon Weston, Ogan Holder, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. And as we always say, that good brew might be in your very own Pump Theology Live, Pump up hunt pint wow Ooh, pub <laughs> theology life pint glass i can talk there we go brian brian's displaying one now um i did not bring mine with me to morocco it probably would not have survived the uh the trip um but we all got them and you could have one too by becoming a patron a patron on patreon.com slash pt live you can get some extra content free and post show banter um and other goodies Head over to patreon.com slash ptlive. And as always, thank you to our current patrons. So today we'll be discussing wokeness, welcome, retreats, and evil. We're just going to go through the gamut, (laughs) as we always do. (laughs) So, Brian, what are you drinking today? Another beer that expired 25 years ago? (laughs) It it might be. Oh, Oh my my God. God. Why are you still drinking these? This is the last of the ones that I bought off the questionable shelf. (laughs) But I can't find a date on this one. So so you're going to drink it anyways. Here's the only date we have this brewery. Okay. So this is a five o'clock whistle Vienna IPA from Big Heart Brewing in Hart, Michigan, established in 2015. So it's eight years old at the oldest because the brewery started in 2015. I don't know that that makes it better. <laughs> what? What's the name of the beer? Uh, five o'clock whistle. It's a Vienna IPA. I'm not quite sure what that style is, but we're about to. Oh yeah, it's. I got to be oh. ready. It's gonna. It's gonna blow yeah. up. Yeah, don't. <laughs> yeah, you didn't do so good with oh. last night. Oh, there you oh, go. Oh, I God, do Jesus. not drink that. Oh my God, dude, man. That is not <laughs> yeah. okay. Did you have the mop handy after last week? Oh Some man, this it. is worse than last week. Yeah, There's not much beer left after that. <laughs> what a mess um i think we forget i was just i i was trying to see if google would give me a like when did they make that beer you know oh yeah i see it's a nice color is that the color it's supposed to be though that's that's the question um good question so we 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 usually mention this at the tail end of the show but this is a good uh this is good video day see brian Spilled beer all over himself. So yeah, watch us. We should do a montage of all the clips of Brian spilling beer all over himself. Seriously. (laughs) 
Uh, <laughs> oh my uh, god. Well, I hear Ogan went to the beer store. What do you got, Ogan? I went to the oh, beer you went store. To the beer store? I went to the beer store. You're gonna love this. Uh-huh. Um, from Poland. Yes, I am in Morocco, but I, I had to get this one. I got a bunch of Moroccan beers, but I saw this at the bot. This is like maybe a Brian number here. Uh, when did well, this one was made last year, so I'm good. Um, but from Poland, this item called Punkel. And it says Full and original taste, ultra strong beer at 16%. What? And, and this is a pint. What? <laughs> a pint Buckle up. <laughs> so I was like, I got I can't, I can't not. I can't not get something that says ultra strong beer. What kind of beer is it? I think mean, is it a blonde? Let's find out. I don't even know what kind of beer it is. All it has is like you can't get more dime store than. It's a Polish surprise. It's a Polish surprise. surprise. I don't have a good beer glass for it, but uh, <laughs> it looks ooh, it's, it's very light, light, it's nice light color. color. Yes, it is. That is pretty similar to mine. So I yeah, yeah what do you got? I have two back to back Zoom meetings after this. So I just have my handy dandy iced tea with me today. All right. Um I had I had a small break. I had a half hour between my last Zoom and this, and I should have gone out and get my gotten myself an iced coffee because that's what I really needed. But I took a shower instead, which I also really needed. So there you go. what I chose to do with my time. So I have iced tea. <laughs> I will I will say that I will say that what it makes up for in alcohol, it kind of lacks in taste. It's got no, uh, it's got no uh nothing. And have a nothing. lot of flavor, huh? Yeah, not so much. Not so much, but yeah, I could light a match to this thing. Holy crap. Ooh. Christy just delivered a roll of paper towel and said, you got to get better no. beer. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. That's for real. Uh, that might might be it might be a help. Okay, thing. you said that was it. So you're That's not it. allowed to buy stuff off that shelf again. Correct. Correct. I think it could become a regular feature of the podcast, personally. Um, <laughs> Ryan drinking he, bad beer. He all seems right, to be right. he seems to be immune to it. From a health perspective, and y'all, I haven't, I haven't hardly eaten anything today either, so I don't know that this is a good choice. Oh yeah, my I, god! I, Stay tuned till the end to hear Ogan's true insights. <laughs> this is this is not even a quad. I don't know what this is. <laughs> Jeez. On to today's topics. All right. Well, it was the Oscars on Sunday night, and wondering if you tuned in and did you have a uh, a favorite for best picture or just a favorite movie that you've seen in the last year or so? Um, I did not tune in because that had been like two in the morning here and I love me some movies. I love me the Oscars, but not that much. However, my favorite was the one that swept the place, everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, That was such a good movie um, for so many reasons. And uh, talk about Asian representation. Uh, Michelle Yeoh just so overdue on on the accolades that she deserves. Mm. Um, what uh, what's the dude's name? I'm blanking on his name now. The guy who won Best Supporting Actor that was the kid actor in Goonies. Yes. And, mm-hmm. yes. And there's a beautiful picture. I don't know if you guys see this going around. Uh, him and Harrison Ford hugging. It's on my good. stories. You yeah. know, right? Uh, oh, uh, so I was very very 
happy, deserving all the awards, but also heartbroken for Angela Bassett. Like, uh, mm. you know, yeah. she, and, and, you know, I said to someone, I understand that, that, you know, those, those who decide these things probably turn their nose up at Marvel movies and says, this is not real right. art. And for the most part, it isn't. However, Black, Black Panther was something different. Um, and I, and, you know, right. and the fact that the woman who did the, I think she did the costume in and a lot of the things in Black Panther, she won an Oscar for that, both mm-hmm. Black Panther movies. So now she's the only Black woman to won two Oscars yeah. um, for a costume design and stuff like that. Name also escapes me. Um, but, um, but I, but I loved, I loved everything about that movie winning all the awards. Here's the thing I don't understand about, and this, the one movie that I don't understand what was in that list was Top Gun Maverick. Why, why was that movie? I was going to say, if you're saying that Marvel movies aren't real art, right. why is Top Gun Maverick there? Besides that it made more, like, I think it was like, and I, I so I don't watch the Oscars, but I watch clips, right? From yeah. whatever, because I'm on social media. And like Tom Cruise wasn't even at there. He wasn't at the Oscars, yeah. but like Jimmy Kimmel did a thing of like, that was the m- movie we all went back to the theater for was I mean, Top Gun Maverick. I, and was, so that- It was good. I mean, it but, was good. I didn't want it to be good. And it was good. Me neither. I mean, neither. Like, I, I walked out of there. It, yeah. I wanted it to be bad. And it was. I walked out of there going like, I really didn't want to like that, but I, I know, did. I know. I so did too. Right. Right, but it right. was not like best picture type. No, no, I think you're thing. right. I think it's the sheer force of box office numbers plus Tom Cruise yeah. that gets it yeah. slotted Crazy. in. Which um, again shows the injustice of Black Panther versus seriously uh, Top wow. Gun. You know, kind not of wrong. Deal. Not wrong. Seriously. So uh, I only you- saw two of them that were nominated. Mm. I saw everything. Well, okay. Um, I I watched Derek didn't because it's not up his alley, but like I watched the Banshees of In Sharon. Like I watched. Oh my I god, know. I love that so much. Did you? <laughs> I I struggled with it a little bit. <sighs> um, it was sad. It was dark. It was all the things which I'm also, usually super into. By the way, give me a like a bullet point <laughs> also you know, funny. synopsis of that one. Um, two so small island, small um. Irish Island and two friends. Um, one just kind of decides one, one day that he doesn't want to be friends with the other and really goes too far by not wanting. And, and he doesn't communicate that. He just, just cuts him off and it's kind of just goes down this very yeah. strange and crazy. So the lengths, the lengths he goes to prove he's not friends with this guy, and then the lengths the other guy goes to try and maintain his friends. It's sort of where the both comedic and really dark aspects of the I see. of the film yeah. sure. come out. Um, but beautifully acted, beautifully oh, yes. shot, like be- like beautifully done. Right. But like, and I, I'm not against even the story, but it was right. just, it was just a little like, I, I don't know about all this, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was a I, lot. It was a lot, 
And I will fully admit that I fell asleep during everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh, no. I totally (laughs) slept through the middle of it. I really have no idea what it's about. It was, listen, it was, it was, it was kind of heady and nerdy and intellectual. I mean, we got, you know, parallel And I'm clearly none of those things. Clearly. (laughs) Um, We got, we got, we got, we got. Mother, you got you know parent-child dynamics. We got divorce dynamics. We got like so much was happening, you know, in that movie. I mean, literally everything was happening in that movie. Yeah, it was. It was a day. So a couple weeks ago, Derek and I actually had a day with nothing at all, like no kids, no responsibility, no. And we just mm-hmm. we watched TV and movies all day, and that was like one of the last ones. Mm-hmm. And so it just it was like this you know, day where my body completely relaxed and it just didn't really stand a chance. It wasn't the movie that made me fall fall asleep. It was like, oh my gosh, we're actually like, oh, calming down. And let's be honest, I don't get enough sleep. So, you know, there it is. And it was also a movie that didn't, that, I mean, it didn't, I don't think it made the viewer tense. There was a lot of stuff happening, but it wasn't one that made you, you know, ridden with anxiety, which probably helped you kind of relax in and right fall asleep. now I would I will say I would like to see women talking um yep. I would like to see the Fablemans and I yes, would like do. to see Tar because uh, I saw Tar Tar was Tar was great um and I yeah I'm hearing there about it being best picture I could see why it's I could see why it's there in terms of like an art film and um some people have some issues with it, which I can concur with, but Kate Blanchett did a great job. Also, if you haven't seen Triangle of Sadness, like this was the only other movie on the list that if it had won Best Picture, I'd have been okay with. Um, but if you've not seen it, it is just brilliant. I honestly don't know anything about it. Oh, you have to watch it. It, it is a it is a it is a film that basically pokes fun at the super rich the social media influencers it's a film that covered that tackles all the isms uh capitalism ageism ableism like everything and just for a little you know tip of the hat woody harrelson is in it as like a drunken sea captain um but you gotta seriously you gotta watch this we'll check it out all right like of all the all the and avatar i don't know why avatar was on there either because you know um, why avatars on there again i mean i know why but again come on. yeah <laughs> like, but we can just put uh, avatar and top gun and top gun uh, put them on a shelf <laughs> and... category and move <sighs> on so it's also uh march which means march madness uh anybody paying attention to that on either the men's or women's side have a have a team you might think hey they could they could do something well my lady cardinals are going are keep are still going so my uh university level women's they were very close to winning last year we'll see if they can do it this year they were and they knocked my wolverines out of the tournament if i recall sure did ouch <laughs> yeah they're i'm trying to remember when their next game is soon i'm i'm totally not plugging as you know you you know my whole thing was I used to uh you know object to college sports because the athletes didn't get paid but now now because of NCAA rulings uh you know yes athletes can now get paid not salary but you know if they want to do ads of their likeness and so on some athletes yeah. are really capitalizing on that 
um, as well. Um, so I should I should probably tune in, I guess. But I haven't I haven't been following. And again, you know, college sports not not a part of my upbringing. Right. That's that's a, so I don't, it is I don't a cultural that. sort of very piece. much so. Yes, very much so. And I went to a college in the states that did not have an athletic program that was worth speaking of. I think it was like division, like we were like division three or four, or whatever. Sure. Whatever the lowest divisions are. That's, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. where we were in, and and we got beat all the time. So it was not even something. Well, to- I have I partly I follow women's basketball because my alma mater is very good in women's basketball. Um, but partly I follow women's basketball to balance my men football. So I, I like I'm like, it. if I'm going to watch basketball, I'm going to watch women's basketball. Yeah. Um, very good. And I will admit it. I'll be the first one to admit it. Like it's not as theatrical or it's not as like showboaty. Well, it, it, some may say it's not as impressive, but like I think it's pretty damn impressive to be honest. Um, For sure, but it it anyway. it is it is. Uh, I I I love I love the the you know men spectators who are like, yeah, I could take her on a court. I'm like, dude, no, you can. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, this no, basketball no, isn't no, like tennis, where there's <laughs> genuinely two different games for men and women. You know. And like, but uh, to be clear, to be clear. Many male tennis players, amateur or professional, can't beat women tennis professional tennis players either. So well, I I only I don't know. I only go by what Serena Williams has publicly like talked about on that subject. But um with there's a lot less, let me put it this way. There's with women's basketball, there's a lot less dunking, there's a lot less slamming the ball in other people's faces. Sure. Not not that it's not aggressive, like it is, it's very aggressive, but it it there's just a lot i think what people like kind of call that like showboatiness or whatever there's just less of yeah. that because they're right. not six seven you know they're not like it's harder to jump that high yeah um, I, did, but, I did watch most of the WNBA playoffs last year and i was not disappointed at no, all no you so, will not be not no. at all and that's the thing if you like sports you will not be disappointed in these things exactly so uh on the i don't know brian might this year though on the on the women's side, uh, hey, easy. <laughs> my Wolverines are a six seed playing UNLV on Friday. And on the men's side, oh, my team didn't even make it to the tournament. Oh. So it's March sadness. I don't think mine did either. Um, by the way, Brian's Wolverines are rated six. My lady cards are rated five. Okay. Maybe Just we'll so see you, know. you again. So is anybody's anybody's game? Maybe we'll see you in the later rounds. We play Drake in the. We play Drake on Saturday. I don't even know. Oh, Drake that's is. just the music they play when they're warming up. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> that's what they're going to do to him on the court. <laughs> there you go. All right. So, well, uh, in a speech, I'm not sure how recently, but I'm sure he still stands by this. Uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said, "We must fight the woke in our schools. We must fight the woke in our businesses." We must fight the woke in government agencies. We can never, ever surrender to woke ideology. What a dumbass. Why are we even giving this man airtime? Why are we, why are we even? Why do we even talk about what he says? I mean, I know why. We have to take him seriously. There are a large number of Americans who use wokeness as a pejorative, as a way to mock people, as a, we have to be anti-woke 
And as um, one writer puts it, you know, how is compassion, empathy, and care for racial and social social justice not something to embrace? Well, because uh, it's it's scary. It's uncomfortable. It's oh look, apparently, you know, all the rights that were and privileges that I took for granted and didn't even know I had are apparently, in my view, now being threatened um, and having shared. Um, well, I know shared, okay. but but their point of view is threatened, sure, right? Because because we have this mentality that there's only a limited amount to go around. So if somebody else is getting, that means I'm getting less, as opposed to oh, let's all get the thing that there is no limited, you know, amount of. Um, right. But it's also it is again, pie day, but rights are not pie. Bingo. Oh yeah, it is pie day. I forgot about that. It is pie day. Oh my, oh my goodness. Um, and I had no idea, you know, it's, this is, this is the indoctrination of patriarchy and heteronormativity, right? Anything yes. that, and much backed up by religion, anything that looks outside of anything we've determined that's been the norm is, is scary. And for a lot of people, um, and, and they're going to push back against it. And and, you know, you'll have those folks, those politicians who in their quest for power and money will will fan those flames and stoke those fires. And, you know, what what I really love is um, what's what's a Colorado woman's name, Lauren Boebert, you know, who who is, you know, from the party that espouses the family values and her 17 year old son has impregnated his girlfriend and she's about to become a grandmother at 36 not there's anything wrong with that however like if he's 17 no one's i don't know how old the girlfriend is yet (laughs) right so basically these are two minors and um yeah i'm like I don't, it's the, the hypocrisy in every aspect of this. And I don't, I don't know if you guys saw the, uh, is it the Senator or representative, I think from Louisiana, this like 70 something year old, like old white guy, of course, who yeah, Kennedy, was, something Kennedy. No, not that Kennedy guy. There's another guy who was basically sending some really, really like suggestive and supportive uh, DMs in like this 20 something year old gay guy's Instagram. Did y'all not hear about this? Oh. I'm gonna have to look this up. Oh, I yeah. He that. was he was like throwing like flame emojis and heart emojis and stuff. Um, um in this like 20 something year old gay guy's uh Instagram and publicly and this using his anti gay, yes, and using his official account, right? <laughs> not not even a shadow account, Jeez. but the but the best part was the the response from his the official response from his office was that he loves interacting with his constituents of all backgrounds and of all orientations, and he is not going to stop. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm, I'm actually not mad at that response, <laughs> but but the hypocrisy is it's it's so dangerous, right? And because think- there's do you think if someone explained it the way this writer says it, right? Comp- it, equating woke with having compassion, showing empathy, caring for racial and social justice, like if someone explained it that way to your 
uh, person on the street, a conservative who just hears woke and thinks I'm anti that, would they listen to that? Would they change their mind or would they say, here's the reason we shouldn't be empathetic or compassionate? Well, they, I mean, they've weaponized that. I mean, that's what this quote says, right? Of um, they're equating wokeness with, right? The thing that scares you the most, which is crime status. And, you know, all of this, like every time there's a uprising because of, a you know, injustice done and no one else knows what to do. That's what they're pointing at and saying, yeah. that's what we're against, you right. know, lawlessness in liberal cities. Exactly. No. And so when you say like, they see that, that, that fighting it is compassion and empathy, Ugh. you know, Ugh. because that's how twisted this, like, that's how this works. And, and we have to remember it's because they don't have policies that the majority of people are getting behind. So all they can do is stoke the culture war yes. right. uh, issues that they manufacture themselves. Yeah. Right. right. So they this, and this they go whole, after your values. Exactly. So this like, you know, what was it? Um, some neo-Nazis just showed up at drag queen story hour somewhere, right. you know, armed and protested and making a lot of noise. And like, this was not an issue five years ago. No one was showing up with weapons at drag queen story hour five years ago, three years ago, two years ago. It's a manufactured uh, issue. Uh, by the way, so I, it is the uh, Lieutenant Governor of Tennessee, Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally. Yes, yes, He's I did 70, hear that. 79 years old. By the way, all I had to- He's 79? 79, yes. SNL did a skit on it. Oh, oh my God, I gotta this, watch that. This by the way, I just Googled, all I Googled was Republican gay Instagram, and that's all. <laughs> Boom. So yes, he was in the uh, he was sliding not even the DMs, just just the main uh, comments of uh, the twenty yeah. year old uh, risque social media uh, photos of uh, Franklin McClure, and he wrote things like "love it," sending heart emojis, comments like "you can turn a rainy day into rainbows and sunshine," um, and things like "super look." Uh, when he was um, all but exposing his backside, which is again fine with that, um, but but here is the uh, here is the official response from his office. As anyone in Tennessee politics knows, Lieutenant Governor McNally is a prolific social media commenter. He takes great pains to view every post he can and frequently posts encouraging things to many of his followers. Does he always use the proper emoji at the proper time? Maybe not. But he enjoys interacting with constituents and Tennesseans of all religions, backgrounds, and orientations on social media. He has no intention of stopping. Yeah, he has no intention of stopping. Yeah. So that's literally, that is the official response from his office. And this is a guy who signed, who, who is behind helping sign bills. Uh, so Governor Bill Lee of Tennessee signed uh, two bills into law that, um, one will criminalize drag performances, some drag performances, especially if children are there, and bans uh, transition-related medical care uh, for trans people, including pu puberty blockers, hormone therapy, and surgery uh, for mm -hmm. trans minors in the state, regardless of if they have their parents' permission or not. 
So yeah, that's that's the world that's the world we're living in. We will we will oppose these quote unquote woke things, but we will still behave however we want. Mm. Yikes. Yeah. So so I think it's it's well documented and and presumed that um, DeSantis will run for president. Yeah, um, for sure. And he's and he's and got he's likely to, to be the nominee. He's likely to be the nominee um, if he decides to run. And he's got to have a certain chunk of that MAGA base. And you know he can't come out and be anti-Trump because he will lose them. So he's like, all right, I got to show that I am anti-woke. I got to show that I am your culture war, you know, hero. He's Trump with things. competency is what he's showing. Like, well, that I is, believe all that these things yes. and I have the back cup, but I, yeah. I, we're going to have to talk about him eventually, but I'd rather not give him any more time to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can move on. Until I have to like, we really? So, I, well, but here's the thing. I, I think we have to now, because if we, there is a possibility that the more we talk about it now and raise objection to it now that he doesn't get to that point. Right. If we wait till he gets to that point, it's it's too late. Almost. We've seen that movie. We've seen that movie and we know how it ends. So so, you know, no one took Trump seriously until it was too late. Right. So I think we uh, need no, to take the, him. I seriously. think my problem is I take him like I I think that Republicans will elect him like I. Mm-hmm. It's not that I don't take him seriously. It's terrifying. And yeah. and I don't get to vote in that election. You know, I don't get to vote in that primary. Right. I, Unless I'd switch my membership, which I, quite frankly, I'm not going to do. Yeah. 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 But uh, the fact that the term woke has been hijacked, you know, again, welcome to appropriation, hijacked as, you know, a term that first meant being awakened to the injustices. Well, and I think that's, I think that's our responsibility is to not so much talk about what Ron DeSantis says, but to talk about, so let's, let's talk about this term. Let's Mm -hmm. discuss what this actually means. Let's talk about where it came from. Let's talk about why it might be important. So I think there is a difference there as well as, you know, yeah, we're in that. um, It's not always about responding to what somebody, you know, says it is about kind of saying, okay, where's my responsibility and platform, which is, you know, it might be to understand history and education of what this really means, you know, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. All right. Enough, enough time on Ron. Go enough on. on Ron. So during a recent wide ranging interview, Pope Francis spoke on the need for the church to follow Jesus example and be welcoming to all. He noted, especially gay persons, The big answer, this is now quoting the Pope, uh, the big answer was given by Jesus. Everybody, everyone inside. Yet earlier this same year, the Pope called homosexuality a sin, but not a crime. Which seems to, I don't know, like, how welcoming are you when you say, well, who you are as a person isn't a crime, but it is a sin. What? So again, it's it's that whole thing of, what is it? hate the sin, love the sinner, right. that, that, that nonsense. It's uh, nonsense. Let's, let's get you in the door so we can convert you. 
I'm I'm not going to take the Pope seriously until he starts talking about some fundamental doctrinal changes, and that's not happening. I think I think he is the uh, what's what's the word? He he's like the John the Baptist to Jesus, right? He's the one who's saying like uh, I'm going to bring your awareness to how we have the we at the church have not done right by these communities and that's all i'm gonna do and whoever comes next that's their job to invite change of doctrine so i think he's he's just like the he's like the town crier who who that's brings fair. attention to things that's um, fair but but he, he's not he's not sticking his neck out he also said in that same interview that in his mind clergy should be able to get married and don't have to be celibate and notes that there are other parts of the church um i guess the eastern parts orthodox, eastern orthodox. church where you can be a priest yeah. who's married um mm -hmm. and it's very less common if not generally not practiced in the roman catholic church but is that going to change or is he just saying, like you said, Ogan, is he just saying things? He's pl he's planting the seeds. He's planting the seeds, but he's not, he's, I, I mean, I, go ahead, Shannon. I, well, I was just going to say this begs a question of like, how much power does the Pope actually have? Mm. Which I don't know enough about the higher, like, I think in my mind, the Pope has, the Pope can do whatever they want and he can change church doctrine. If he wants, he can come out and say, homosexuality is not a sin. Like, but I don't know that that I think the cardinals might have to vote right. to yeah. change the doctrine. And so, like, I think it is seed planning a little bit, right? Yeah. Of like, okay, I'm I'm gonna keep saying these things and they're contradictory to doctrine in the hopes that enough cardinals will come around and we can vote to change the doctrine. So if he doesn't have the power, he's just blowing white smoke up everybody's. You know, well, the white smoke's the good smoke in theirs, isn't no, it? No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think also it's it's a bit of um, a realization that they're losing people, and less and less people are walking into church. Yes. Less and less people are walking into Catholic churches. So, if if right. as a leader of the church, he's saying things that are more amenable to folk, regardless of what happens in terms of doctrinal change or what happens on the ground levels, at least folks who may have uh, grown up or been raised Catholic and have fallen out of favor with the church. Um, I think to say at least my at least the Pope is saying these things that are supportive of who I am. So I'll 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 hang around. Well I think there's also in the last 20 years there has got to be a shift there's got to be a shift in the Catholic church away from this obsession about sex and sexuality. Mm. Well, if and, the priests would get married, I mean, that might help some. Well, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I don't think whether you're married or not, if you're a pedophile, you're a pedophile like that, you know, right. Like yes. the, the people that make that argument, I'm like, you're, you're drawing this conclusion that people that are celibate are pedophile like no no not 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 and, and I pedophile i just mean i just mean repressed i mean yes. like well and and there's a lot of denominations where sexual repression is an issue right yes let's, let's talk about that in general for a second but if you yeah. go into the catholic church this obsession with sex and bodies and 
procreation, you know, it it's everywhere. And they have got to, after starting 20 years ago, take a look at all of those doctrines in a real way and see yeah. how that has harmed people more than it has helped people. And if they're not doing that from a basic level, like, and, and again, all the way up to what he's talking about here. And my curiosity is if that's part of what Pope Francis is trying to get the larger Catholic church, the Roman Catholic church to do is to say, we have got to examine every part of our understanding of sexuality and people's bodies and what's going on. I don't know. So I think I, 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 I have no way of asking him. (laughs) What? I could tweet him, I guess. I don't know. Seriously. I don't want to give him full credit for trying to decolonize the, uh, the theology of the Catholic church. However, I do think that, that there is power in as the head of the church so, you know, it's it's kind of both like a top-down and a and a bottom-up approach to shifting things. But then for him to still come out and say that it's a sin is still standing on the theological framework that's always been there. I think the importance of him saying it's not a crime is is saying we we can. If we want to believe it's a sin, we can believe that, but we shouldn't punish the people. We shouldn't punish people who are gay. We should not be hostile towards them. We should not be violent towards them, which I think is an important step because, you know, circle yeah, back to it, me, it is, meatball Ron DeSantis, when right. part, part of the issue is that is that people are now becoming violent towards the folks. You know, we we, we just heard it at CPAC that, that, stupid uh yeah. i don't know what his name was it you know said we gotta we gotta eliminate the trans ideology at all mm-hmm. costs right and and then he says oh, i'm not talking about harming trans people but but you can't you can't, can't say, say at I, all costs you can't then- say i'm eliminating an ideology and not say i'm inviting harm towards the people we are the people who manifest the ideology right so yeah so so to say that is causing harm and as everything goes when there's harm inflicted you know it disproportionately affects black women so black trans women are the ones who are getting killed because of people saying things like this so 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 for the pope to say it's not a crime i think is a good step towards saying uh let's let's not inflict harm and violence on people who are gay who are trans because you know that's that's not jesus love representation now we can we can have our doctrinal and theological views and opinions on things, but let's not act out in them in violent ways. So I think he's making steps towards a good transformation and also realizing that it's got to be baby steps. So I think he's doing the seed planting, he's doing the baby steps, and hopefully whoever comes after him will continue that trend. My fear is that, you know, what often happens in the three steps forward, two steps back way of progressing is that the next pope that's going to be elected is going to be someone super conservative that pulls them backwards. Right. Yeah. All right. So 
Second uh, Thessalonians 3, 3 in the New Testament says, but the Lord is faithful and will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Now, some translations simply say protect you from evil. So I wanted us to discuss the difference in personifying evil, seeming to refer to the devil or Satan versus a more general sense of evil. And, you know, do you have a preferred way to think about evil? And is this based on um, scripture, belief, life experience? Um, what? Mm, accountability is what comes to me. So, so yeah. when, when we, when we create an evil one of personification, the accountability is not on us. We can, we can blame the devil. The devil made me do it. Ah. Right. It's, yeah. it's, it's the, the devil who was tempting me. Uh, you know, there's, there's this, you know, the eternal battle of dark versus light. I'm, I'm just a helpless soldier in between. And so I can, I can relieve myself of the accountability of my own actions, of my own thoughts, of my own beliefs. If I just go with, with evil, then it's like, oh, this is me doing the evil. And yeah, some people aren't big on accountability. So, I like uh, that. Do you think, though, that keeping it more general, yes, I think that could invite introspection and a sense of culpability, but couldn't it also be deflected onto those people, like mm -hmm. other people? Oh, versus, absolutely. If it's absolutely. Satan, it's sort of at least it's this third party out here. But if it's more general, we might choose to find it in people, other well, people. Well, yes, to, to circle back to the whole woke nonsense, it's, it's you know, the liberals, they are the ones doing this. And, and, on, and on our liberal side, it's like, oh, it's them, the conservatives, they're the ones doing this as well. Doing so, X, Y, Z. Yeah. Exactly. So there's, there was the blaming as opposed to the remembering that um, we are the ones, we are, we are the people, we are... We're the ones that is making life happen. We're the ones that are creating this environment. What is our part in it? So unless we really take a look at, you know, here's what I believe. I'm entitled to believe anything I want. Anyone's entitled to believe anything they want. But is my belief and the actions that stem from those beliefs causing harm to others? So I believe you can believe something but then not necessarily take actions that cause harm to others. So uh, I don't know. It's yeah. So, I mean, I guess a question that's, and maybe we'll toss this one over to Shannon, like there's this clear sense in this text, whether, whether you translate it evil personified or a more general evil, that there is evil out there and that mm -hmm. there's a protection that God is providing for you from that evil so speak to that sense of that there really is evil out there and how you think of that so one i grew up in a place where right devil made you do it in and it was like people need to take responsibility for themselves that said not everybody takes responsibility for themselves right and evil does exist in the world in my opinion like right. we choose it we form like white supremacy is evil. Yeah. You know, I, I like we create structures around it. Um, I also so I just pulled out the the Bible that I have, and it seems that it's pretty clear that this 
specific text is referring to an evil outside of oneself. Um, so this is the NRSV. Um, but um, so verse two, that we may be rescued from the from wicked and evil people for not all have faith, but the Lord mm -hmm. is faithful. He will strengthen and guard you from the evil one. What's interesting about that is like, there very much is a like, those people are evil, which we're trying to say like, hey, not very helpful or healthy unless that's something you need to, which like I've felt before, yeah. but I I have to be careful not to say you're not evil, but you're choosing ways and, you know, again, you're choosing evil in this moment. Yeah, you're participating, collaborating with, yeah. So I just did this... Um, I did a six week course on positive intelligence and, and you can go to the, if you just Google positive intelligence, there's a inventory you can take for free. You don't need to take the course to do it. Um, and it's for coaches you, to, to use this, but it's on saboteurs. And one of the ways that I have always thought about saboteurs within myself, um, I've always used a biblical image of kind of that demonic, but one of the things that's important to learn about saboteurs that are within us is that they're there. We, we develop them over time as a protection mechanism. And so they're like, but that doesn't mean that if we follow them, so my highest, so we all have a judge is, is his argument that we, we all have a judge that exists and we can put a voice and a name and this is where personification can come in really handy to be able to say, oh, my judge is saying right now, you know, this. Mm. Um, and and that actually helps separate it to say, but I can make a different choice, right? So a judge tells me I'm worthless and I'm not good enough and I'm not whatever. And I need to push everybody away from me because I'm doing them a favor by, you know, not being around them. Well, that's like, that can be harm. Those are bad decisions, right? So I can personify it in this way that I say, okay, my judge is telling me to, you know, close myself off because blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm just giving an example, sure. but you know, so I, I'm not going to do that. And yet there's a judge that sits there and go, Hey, maybe don't jump off that bridge without a, you know, safety net, right? Like there's also this like, Hey, you know, this very protective, if you want a quick version of this, you can watch Pixar's Inside Out you know, but like, right. <laughs> that's a way of doing this. So I think it's a both and, right? Like, I admit that there are people not in my life, because I'm not saying they're evil. I'm really not. I'm but there are some boundaries that I had to draw because we are toxic for each other. And I think we've just replaced the evil language with things like toxic relationships or needing better boundaries. But that's kind of what we're getting at here is like people that are going to pull you away from what is good and right and healthy for you. That, I I, I'm, I'm on positive intelligence right now. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I am the pleaser indirectly tries to gain acceptance and affection by helping, pleasing, rescuing or flattering others, loses sight of own needs and becomes resentful as a result. Like that used to be my MO right there. That last part, losing sight yep. of own needs and becomes resentful as a result enneagram nine represent and, <laughs> uh, and when well. you and when you followed that it caused harm 
right? It, it caused harm, not just to me, but to the other people, because that yep. becomes resentful. Then I'd be passive aggressive. And then right. I would, you know. So I don't want to, even though like these kind of scriptures can be easily dismissed because mm-hmm. we're like, oh, we don't, you know, we don't believe in evil spirits anymore. We don't, you know, whatever, but we've just well, found some new language. Do. Well, some people do, but like we've, you know, we found better language for it almost, right? We mm-hmm. found like helpful ways of thinking about these things. Um, and also kind of understanding it's not a complete binary, right? Like my number one is hypervigilance. And, you know, I, that was a skill that saved me like physically my life in multiple situations. Um, that's not a bad thing. However, it is very harmful to me to live in hypervigilance on a regular basis. For you, uh, Um, Enneagram folks, that's type six. (laughs) Well, I'm a type two, but nonetheless, um, but I'm very aware of everyone's emotional state and what's going on and how to change myself into that. And, um, you know, and again, where it comes up most is when I'm around my family of origin, like I'm extremely hypervigilant, you know? Um, And then my number two is high achiever, which has gotten me a lot of accolades in life and good things. But when I wrap up my self-worth into what I achieve, well, that's a problem, you know? So anyway, I'm just kind of saying like, we found different language to, to wrap this into. Yeah, for sure. And, and I like that you said, it's not a a binary either. So I'm wondering, do you, do you feel that there is this sort of sense of spiritual evil for lack of a better word that exists that's not just like here are my actions that contribute negativity to the world or to myself but like i don't i don't i don't think there is i think i you know what is evil here right so are we calling evil choices that harm other people and if and if that's what we're calling evil well, yes, yeah, some of us make choices that inevitably harm other people. And, and but the question for me, I then take a step back. Why do we make the choices that harm other people? And a lot of it is because we are simply either acting out from a wounded place or we are afraid of being harmed ourselves, right? And, and we've bought into a lot of, you know, cultural narratives that say things like, if we make enough money, we'll be finally safe. So, mm-hmm. so, so let's set up our world and our life to make enough money, regardless of who gets harmed along the way. So, like all the billionaires in the world, you know, believe that if we have enough money, finally I'll feel safe, I'll feel loved, I'll feel fulfilled. And it doesn't matter who gets hurt by all the, you know, unfair labor practices or who gets hurt by the fact that people are working for like, I don't know, eight, nine, $10 an hour and can't make enough to feed their families. I don't care who gets hurt. As long as I make enough money, I will finally feel safe. I will finally feel okay, which, and if you want to call that evil, we can call that evil. So for me, when we look at people who are doing evil things, there is a piece of me that goes, here's a very wounded, hurt person that has not gotten in touch with their wound and is simply acting out and other people are going to suffer 
as a result of it. So part of it is how do we define evil? What is evil? And, you know, me personally, I don't, I don't know that there's evil in the world or evil is a thing. There are just people harming other people because they don't, they haven't figured out yet how wounded and afraid they are um, as well. Now, I'm not ruling out those people who might be genuine psychopaths and well, of course, of course, some mental issues, but, but, and again, that's not the best terminology to use. But uh, you know, I, I I think of the I, I think of like Jeff Bezos, right? Who is it seems for some reason totally just oblivious to the harm that he's doing in the world. Sure. Especially to the employees and the way Amazon's set up and is is the goal about making all the money, is the goal like I would love to figure out what is his wound. <laughs> that is allowing him to be totally oblivious to the harm that he's doing to the world, to the employees, to everyone in between. Um, but yeah, yeah, let's- But, but well, yeah. as we said toward the beginning, that it's not just individual actions, right? That there are collective negative actions that sort of collaborate, heighten, intersect, and create systems of evil that are beyond any one person's actions, right? So. We've talked a lot well, on the show about I mean, you, white you supremacy, racism, patriarchy. Um, but the collective activity. is made up of individuals. Yes, but there is something about people coming together and um, collaborating and having permission and operating within a shared cultural, preferred cultural ethos that gains energy beyond if it was just the one person. Right. So for me, that collective is the sense of belonging. Right. So here I am, a hurt, wounded person, and I find my belonging with this group of other hurt, wounded people who don't feel like they belong. And we don't belong because we can blame other people. We can blame women. We can blame Jews. We can blame Black folk. Uh, there's always somebody to blame. Woke as folk. opposed, right. As opposed to going, you know, where's my accountability in this? Is you know, I can't get a date maybe because I don't know, is it about me? But I don't want to look at myself. So I'm going to join an incel movement and blame all the women in the world. And then that takes me to a much darker place. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. so again, let's get therapy for everyone so we can all look at those wounds and go like, here's yeah. where I am hurting. And here's where I can find maybe a pathway to healing. Right. I think it's a really beautiful thought. I'm just going to extract this out of what you just said. This isn't necessarily what you just said, but I think it's a really beautiful thought that this end of, of um, this letter is Paul's way of saying, right, when, when God is faithful, that anything that pulls you away from belonging to this God, anything that pulls you away from this community of belief of, of where your worth, you know, lies in love, anything that pulls you away from that is we must resist the evil to pull, to be pulled away from that. And because here is where you belong and here is where you are protected. And here is where you can find, you know, your, 
love and trust and people around that will be faithful to you and to this love and to this God. So I think that's a really beautiful way of looking at, you know, this resist evil, which is, you know, don't be pulled away from your inerrant worth that you are lovable and loved and accepted. I mean, I, I do. I think that's really wonderful. Yeah. Agreed. 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 Yeah. And so, yeah, I agree. Then we need to resist that, right? We need to resist that evil that pulls me away from that. Yeah. Um, By the way, this is, this is what I have left of the, uh, the, the (laughs) Yeah, How's it going? Dude. It got tastier and tastier (laughs) as you went on. (laughs) This is the most delicious bear I've ever had. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, that this is, stuff, man! Wow, that yeah, I'm I'm good. really feeling it now. Couple, <laughs> uh, nice. Well, maybe you should take a darkness retreat while you're at it. <laughs> I I feel like I belong. <laughs> exactly. Enough beer and everybody belongs. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> so, uh, it's been uh, a little while now, but it's been in the news that uh, NFL quarterback Aaron Rodgers uh, famously spent several days on a darkness retreat while trying to discern the next step in his career. He said, after the retreat, all the answers are right inside me. I touched many of them and definitely the feelings on both sides during the darkness. And I'm thankful for that time. (laughs) I love the fact that you can't even read this. I have some questions about that, but... Wondering if you've ever done a sort of sensory deprivation extended experience like this and how, and if not, have you done, how have you found a retreat like setting as helpful in navigating an important career or life choice? And where is A.A. Ron going to sign? He needs to retire. Isn't he he old needs to enough? retire. He does. Is he? He is going to pull a farm. He's going to go to the Jets. Like yeah, he is, totally he is. is. He an might. Idiot. He's an idiot. Anyway, <laughs> for so many reasons, the Jets is just the least of them, in my opinion. So, the most deprivation I have done in a retreat has been a silent retreat. Right? Like that's yes. That's same. 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 That's the extent that I've gone to. Um, my son was asking me about this this weekend. Um, Thomas is 13 and he plays football and he's our football kid. And, um, he was like, what is happening here? What is this thing? What is going on? Like, what do you think about this? And I was like, oh no, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's the right answer. I find retreats to be really helpful. And I find that doing something like a silent retreat or solitude, even though I'm an extreme extrovert, solitude isn't great for me personally. I just have some trauma about being left alone, but I will take a silent retreat at a retreat center where I don't talk to anybody, but where there's people around. So I'm not completely like, that's just my stuff. Right. For sure. But you know, those things can be really helpful um, when you're in a discernment process. But to me, it's just one piece of a discernment process. For me, like if I have a really big aha, you know, in that I got to come home and see if it still tracks one week, one month later, 
right? Like I need, I need to make sure it's not just one of those things that I had in the moment because I needed something to have in the moment that that clarity actually found itself into my real life, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I laughed at his answer, but I, I think he's right. All the answers are right inside me. You know, it's just really creating space for things to sort of, you know, sift and filter in and out and see what sort of rises up that, you know, maybe you don't have at the front of your consciousness, but is sort of buried within and, and represents really what you want for this next stage of your life but he's made this process so long it just is hard to take seriously i agree with all of that on principle if it hadn't come from aaron Rodgers, i would be (laughs) fully accepting of this statement right right i don't believe him i don't believe him i don't believe no, no no let me rephrase hold on i don't believe this man is capable of that depth Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, so at this time, <laughs> I, I will, I, I hate to be, and I will never claim to be an Aaron Rodgers like a uh, defender or apologist, but I'm curious why you don't believe that about him. <laughs> He's a freaking nut job. <laughs> what He's if... gone round the bend. <laughs> what if the Packers sign Lamar and Aaron goes to your team? <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> then I will become a Green Bay fan. Actually, then you know what? Oh, if I God. give up on the Ravens, then I become a Steelers fan. Like that's the way it's going to work in our house. <laughs> there you go. It's just, it's just you know, like I got a. So I said that years ago that I was like, all right, next move. I'm just I'll go with the Steelers. That'll be our team. We'll do it together. You know, whatever. And Tom, like Thomas, was like, it's really fun. Like that we have a rival, <laughs> and in our house there's a rival. So I'm Ooh. like, all right, then you know. I'll make there a decision. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I see. I used to like. I think this is this is a classic example of like betrayal. That like I used to <laughs> be an Aaron Rodgers fan, and then he became this like. So let's just be honest, right? So my quarterback, who went to University of Louisville, who then came to the Ravens, like Lamar Jackson, I think he makes all kinds of decisions that aren't the best, including not being vaccinated which Aaron Rodgers famously isn't either. And it's not the fact that Lamar is my quarterback and I, you know, like him that I think his decision is dumb. I think, but, but Aaron is a Joe Rogan. I'm going to fake you out. I'm not going to be honest. And here's, but here's my big issue with Aaron Rodgers. So even if you can set all that aside, which I can't easily, he (laughs) chooses when to play well oh 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 that's and that words. pisses me off do, do you really believe that's okay. what's happening are you serious happening? though like you think his last few years like not this past year but the prior years he was the number one seed his team going into the playoffs. do you remember two years ago during the very first game when they had had all the arguments about whether or not they were going to keep him or not because he'd gotten the coach fired and he came out at that first game and he bombed right to show them he, right. he could and he has mm-hmm. done that multiple times since they got waxed by new orleans if i remember right right so and there's you, no w- reason they should but, you, but what about you, when it comes to the playoffs he has choked as the number say, one you, seed with the would you, would you would you call that evil is he being evil in that way 
I think that he has been tempted by the devil. But I, I agree with you, Shannon. I used to be, even though he's a division rival to my team, I used to be kind of a fan. And now I just think, what is, you're weird. You're like kind of a nutcase. So. See, no, but we need to be careful because it's not just that he's weird, right? Marshawn Lynch was weird and I loved him, right? right? Like it's not weirdness that gets you in this category. There's something off. There's something that has happened. Yeah. And like it, and it's the same shift that's happened in our country and it's happened politically. And like, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was like a flat earther QAnon person. Like I just wouldn't, he's (laughs) just like, there's something there that I'm like, you just, you made a decision that this was well. And, and what I think it is, it's, it's narcissism, right? You made a decision that you were going to be for you. That's correct. Over and above everything else. And that's actually, that's the like big evil that I would name in the world is narcissism. Yep. And, and that inability to think of anyone else but yourself, which like Ogan, you alluded to in all of that conversation. And I think that's the, the, that switch happened and he's on that train now. So the real question is if evil goes on a darkness retreat, what happens? (laughs) <laughs> it um hold on um it it touches many of them and definitely feelings on both sides during the darkness and evil becomes thankful for that time oh man i touched many of them <laughs> if evil goes on a darkness retreat it's like uh this feels like home yeah yeah that's what i'm saying like it's you know oh man if he comes out of the retreat and (laughs) sees his shadow then it's four more years of playoff failures he's done he's just and 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 again this comes back to the how do we define our worth how do we define success and for him i i don't know but for folks in that position their worth probably is defined by the success the accolades, yeah. the being the center of attention, all all those things. So, however we can make ourselves be that center of attention, that's what we're gonna do. How long can we hold on to this? I mean, how how many times is Tom Brady gonna come out of retirement, right, and keep playing football? Like, right. And I think that's why Rogers is not retiring this year because he's overshadowed by Brady. So he'll go at least another year so that he can have all the retirement accolades. Exactly. Yeah. Last year was Roethlisberger. This year's Brady. It needs to be. But to pull an exact Farb is ridiculous. It's (laughs) no. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay, everybody take a deep breath. <laughs> and for all you um, Green Bay, or all you Aaron Rodgers fans, I'm still a Green Bay fan, but not of Aaron Rodgers. Um, you can come at me with all of your hate that I have for him. <laughs> um, so thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. You can show your love for the show by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Get access to pre or post show banter and more. Visit patreon.com slash PT live to get started. And a big thank you to our current patrons. Listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Our top cities this week are Adelaide. Is that Adelaide? Adelaide? Australia, really? Adelaide. That's Adelaide, mate. Look at us Um, international. (laughs) West Lafayette, Indiana. We've got some Purdue fans in the house. 
And Brian's listening to us again, Holland, Michigan. Hey. <laughs> you can watch the video of these conversations on Facebook Live. And if you'd like to start a pub theology gathering in your town, find support and resources at pubtheology.com. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and or not if you're Rogan and keep those Seriously. conversations flowing. <laughs> am I am I slurring my words yet? That's <laughs> not yet. Holy shit. This, this thing.